to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Löwenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Gen podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lovenbrand. I'm the Managing Director of Bright Vision as well as host of this podcast. Earlier this year, Linda Rönningen, who is Director Alliance Marketing at Crayon, was one of the speakers at our event Partner Marketing Day. At the event, she gave a great presentation about five tips for launching a successful partnership campaign. And today we're happy to welcome Linda to our podcast as well as to, to continue to discuss current trends, insights, and challenges within the area of partner marketing. So with that short introduction, welcome to our podcast, Lena. We're so happy to have you as a guest today. Thank you so much for having me today. Just as I said, we had a lot of fun uh, during Partner Marketing Day. Uh, you gave a great insights and, and a great uh, presentation there. And I'm so stoked to continue to pick your brain about partner marketing and all the insights. But before we dive into that, for, for everyone who missed that presentation and who you were and so forth. So maybe we can just briefly tell us who you are and what do you do? Sure, no problem. So I'm Linda Hennigan, just as you mentioned, I am Director of Alliances Marketing at Crayon. Um, I've been working in the marketing space for the past 12 years, specifically within B2B uh, tech marketing as of uh, the past five years. So this has really become my passion as of lately. Great. And uh, we're going to talk about partner marketing today as, as the topic, as, as I said. So just to set the scene a little bit here, uh, for people who are a bit new to this concept or doesn't work through a channel or through partners, how would you define partner marketing? Yeah, so when it really boils down to it, it's a strategic collaboration between two parties, right? So it's just making sure that both parties are able to, at the end of the day, either receive the beneficial um, business relationship, whether that is a lead generation uh, or brand awareness campaign. It's really just about strategic collaboration between two parties, making sure that you get the KPIs that were agreed upon from the beginning. Mm, yeah. And so important. And I know Crayon, who is one of Europe's, uh, if not the world's leading in the tech space, at least in this area, so important for a lot of companies there. And uh, if we dive into this a little bit and, and talking about the things that are important for companies to succeed within those ecosystems and things like that, what would you say are the key components of succeeding with partner marketing 2022 and onwards? Yeah, and that could be many things for depending on where you are, but I think to keep it broad for everyone, it's really critical to understand where you have a successful audit with, with where you are right now. Because a lot of times what I see is that folks will like benchmark themselves against um, a bigger company um, wanting to be where they're at, where they're maybe in a mid-size of growth. I think having that strategic um, internal audit of where you are and benchmarking against where you currently are, and then trying to then increase um, your perspective, because obviously you're never going to want to decrease. I think it's having that um, internal audit first of where you really are and how can you get there to compete with your um, enterprise or bigger competitors in the market. I think that that's the biggest thing 
that I would say is have a good audit system, know where you are, um, and also know how people are perceiving your brand. I think that that is a big component of like, do people know you? How do they know you? And how can you leverage that? Because a lot of times what I see is that folks will want to go into a different um, channel that is not an authentic channel to them. It's, um, it's really about building authenticity off of that. So I think that the main components is building authenticity from where you are, but being honest enough with yourself to know where you need to go um, moving forward. I think those are the two main components because from there you can then really scale out your demand generation, your brand awareness, your, um, you know, your business development, your opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. I think that once you lead with those two components and you can really back everything, all your other strategies to it. Mm. That's interesting to hear. And uh, I think that's a very good starting point there. And have you seen any changes in trends? Have that been true for many years or do you see any changes from a uh, overall perspective in how companies uh, uh, execute partner marketing today? Absolutely. The more I, so if I look back, like maybe five years ago when I was really getting set up with more partner marketing uh, campaigns and strategies, we were looking at an average of maybe five channels that folks are in, in, engaging with. And now we're looking at 10 plus channels. And that is just this year. So within the next, let's say three years, we're going to look at even more channels that are going to be part of the buying decision-making um, process of your ultimate end customer. So I think what happens is that you need to be agile of the emerging technologies and you also need to be agile of the emerging policies of, of how that impacts uh, data mining and um, collecting moving forward. So it's really critical for us to understand A, where customers are, what, how they, do they prefer to talk to us? Um, because it's not, gone are the days of, of cold calling, gone are the days of cold emailing, gone are the days of just static digital banners, right? This is, we need to be as agile as possible. So whether that means having a tailored account-based marketing plan that is strategic, um, whether that means having um, testing out influencer marketing or evangelists in the market, uh, making sure that that see if that that fits your identity as a brand, um, being more precise with your display marketing and trying out programmatic uh, outreaches and trying out um, not even trying out but scaling a, su a successful SEO strategy so that you are always present in the topics that you you want to be the thought leader of. Mm. Yeah, interesting to hear and uh, quite, uh, quite interesting challenges ahead then when, uh, when yes. the channels increase so quickly and uh, the complexity of, of the decisions in the marketing plan is, is becoming uh, much more and, and bigger and uh, yeah, harder to know how to spend your budget basically. So is there anything here you think uh, everyone in the industry from this perspective should either start doing or stop doing or doing more of? I, you know, this is gonna be a hundred percent my opinion. <laughs> um, I think that a lot of companies do great work when it comes to producing eBooks, guides, content um, for campaigns that I sadly don't feel that they get enough life or out of the content that's being produced. I think really understanding the frequency and, um, 
the amount of appetite folks want to actually consume the the content pieces right so i'll for example this is not just for for crayon but for every company that i've you know really spoken to or have consulted with when i was at the agency side um you'll produce content but you it won't garner the attention that you'd like it to get and i think for us it's making sure that you're seeing okay you produce a piece of content how many eyeballs or how what was the, the traction against it um versus giving up on it too soon um, and then reintroducing, I think people think that if you produce a piece of content uh, a couple months ago, it's not going to be fresh or relevant to be um, part of the cycle. Yet again, I think that you have to be really mindful of how many eyeballs do you actually get on the, the, the content piece? Can this content piece be reused? Um, and also not being afraid of producing video content. I think that as B2B um, tech marketing, we're quite shy from producing a lot of video. I think that this is something we can tap into and really borrow um, a play from the playbook of um, B2C where video is quite informative and also audio is like these two um, like verticals I think are really good um, for people to to tap into because this is more of a passive engagement with your brand when someone is listening to either an audio or actually viewing a video if this is you're getting that brand perception out there you're getting the message across perhaps more clear than you would um, if you were to continue on with it just um, a text only um, effort yeah so true and interesting, and I'm I'm sure you're right there. These questions are very hard, of course, and and uh, takes a lot of experience to to intuitively understand and and so forth. So, for practitioners sitting in companies starting out with their partner marketing plans and trying to build alliances and ecosystems and all kind of things, um, what would you say? are some of the challenges they need to, to work on and, and uh, what do you think are the best ways to overcome the, the heaviness of getting this moving in the right direction? I think it really needs to be about, this is where your relationship building skills are key um, because this is where it's gonna be the most, the, the assumption of an alliance relationship is really about that tug of war of who whose KPIs are the most important KPIs, right? So it's really where you have to build your relationship and understand, um, hey, what at the end of the day is the most important uh, KPI for us? Is it is it making sure that both of our brand names are, you know, have an increase in perception in the market? Is it really like, let's say, 4 million in closed deals? Or is it, let's start slow? So I think that it's really setting up that expectation and understanding that if, these KPIs are the ones that we want to go into. Like, for example, if you want to increase awareness, what do both parties need to contribute to? And you both have to be quite aligned on that because this is where I think a lot of alliances where they can go in different direction or there's a different perception after the campaign is launched is that there's one KPI, but the implications of those KPIs might not be completely spelled out because what that might mean for a partner means that they have to do product marketing and not necessarily solutions marketing. And these are, it might seem like very nuanced, but it's quite 
um, relevant to have that conversation because if you're launching a partner marketing campaign and it's strictly product-based and not solution-based, you as a partner need to be 100% on board with that. And you as the vendor need to be 100% on board with that as well because that will ultimately result in, let's say that million dollar revenue or, or that will help you with increasement of your actual product perception of X percent. I think that that's where a lot of people struggle with it because everyone's mm. keen on signing off on X amount of revenue, but the, the, the implications of what that revenue goal are, I think sometimes they're, they're just not very well um, elaborated to all stakeholders. I think that the, a couple stakeholders who are closer to it, to the initial plan and execution, they'll, they'll be quite clear to them what they need to do, but the broader stakeholders might have a different perception. So I think it's more about perception and relationship and communication that is key because at the end of the day, when it comes to executing a demand generation campaign, a brand awareness campaign, once you've started launching those campaigns, you can start to iterate, fix, and consolidate and test and move forward rather than you know having to change the perception from the beginning. Awesome. Yes. What what an interesting and insightful answer there. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, that was very good. And a lot of things to digest there. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I don't give you easy answers. <laughs> no, no, that's great, Lena. I really appreciate that. So, but uh, what is if you, if you would con, con, condense that a little bit and say what are the top top advice you would give to somebody to to uh, uh, cope with uh, those things in order to set up a strategy that's efficient for 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 the next year? Where would you start as a as a company uh, if you just you know summarize it a little bit? Have very clear KPIs. Have very clear deadlines for your KPIs and have very open dialogue of how you're gonna achieve this KPIs, what that means. So I guess those would be the three things. Define your KPIs, define the timing for your KPIs, and then lastly, an execution plan of like how that's gonna actually live. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Have you seen any problems? Is it easier or harder today than a few years back to recruit new partners and resellers or finding new channels? And, and alliances in order to drive business together is it is the competition for the channel space or or the partners bandwidth so to say uh, more available today or is it more narrow than than before there's always opportunity for growth when it comes to um conquesting i think that what we've seen from a tactical perspective is that people are chasing like covid um or pre-COVID registrations and um, they're everyone is benchmarking against a time that does no longer exists. I think that that's where I think we need to be honest about where we are. And you also, this is where I, I mentioned earlier as well. It's just like keeping yourself honest with like how mature your market is. In the Nordics, we, can, we obviously can say that we have a more mature or even saturated uh, presence. And I'm not saying as crayon, but I, I'm just saying as overall in, in these markets in the Nordics, you can have those statements. But if you're in other markets where you're a newcomer, you have to be very objective of that. So I think it really depends on where you are and what stage you're in. Um, but I think ultimately what it comes down to is like making sure you have realistic benchmarks of what you need to go into. Um, because I 
don't think that you'll have this attitude and, and even in the Nordics you, you can't have this attitude where you're like oh I've talked to everyone you absolutely have not talked to everyone um so I think it's really about you know you're not going to get triple or thousand um, um digit like registrations that you might have had before on your engagement that's okay you have to really focus on the quality and then also get creative if you're if one channel's not working for you pivot to like the other nine to 12 channels that folks are on mm. um nowadays interesting yeah there's so many <laughs> channels today so so it's hard to decide so and that touches a little bit of my next question here what do you think the future holds for partner marketing any upcoming trends or insights or, or things you see on the radar or on the horizon that wow this uh, this everybody who's in marketing needs to you know have on their radar screen yeah i think that we really need to be leveraging as much ai as we can um into our everyday interactions making sure your website is optimized as possible so that you're minimizing the amount of um, form fills and just making sure that the conversation is as direct as you would like it to be it's almost like that e-commerce experience but in a b2b site even though some products can't necessarily be you know bought with a couple clicks um it's making it feel that it's as seamless as possible when you're on your website or any interaction that you have with your brand is as seamless as possible. So any technology that aids in that um, direction is what we would I would suggest that that's that's really where it's going. It's whether that's um, you know having some sort of um, AI technology um, or chat on your website that's very intuitive to the sales process and to the overarching um, process that you like. The customer to end up going into, I think that would be the best thing. So I'm calling it conversational marketing. Other folks will call it something else. Um, making sure that there is that direct response and um, that the customer does feel like they're being heard um, quite instantaneously versus having to be reactive to the end customer. Mm, yeah, I totally agree. And that's so great. And that also, um, there, that is one thing I, I think is hard for marketers in general today, especially in B2B uh, and tech marketing and channel partner marketing, because as in many other areas, the um, number of solutions and technology that you can apply to different situations and, and uh, problems and uh, steps in your processes and things are, are a bit overwhelming, of course. <laughs> so it's, yes. it's hard, to, hard to keep up to, to learn everything that's going on. Do you work as a sales, marketing, or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing, and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. Do you have any tips or tricks or... or, or um anything that uh, regarding uh, platforms tools or or solutions for partner marketers that you can um, tip about today yeah i honestly it really depends so i think the hardest thing is to making sure people will actually adopt 
the technology that you choose, whether that's the CRM, whether that is the chat uh, functionality, whether that is the marketing automation, or even any anything heavier than that. I think that ultimately you'd want it to be as seamless as possible, making sure that you're working hand in hand with your tech department to <laughs> making sure that's a mm. seamless integration. Um, and also making sure that people actually use the product and understand. I think a lot of times as marketeers, we will understand in depth what that product does and how you can, for example, the chat functionality or conversational marketing, we'll understand that very well. But if the, the person who's going to actually be monitoring that technology, they're not having that full inter, uh, understanding of the implications. I think that that's um that's really where we struggle. It's like making sure that they really understand. So like, for example, like Marketo, HubSpot, those are all great solutions. And, you know, it all depends on like what's really going to integrate with your existing tech stack. How is that really going to, how is that going to be a seamless integration to your system? And how, or is it going to be easy enough for everyone, not just your respective team, but everyone else to really roll that out? Is this relevant? Because I think that's another thing too, because I, I do sit in the, on a group level. So I have to be quite cognizant that I will not be pitching something for my company that is excellent in the Nordics just because I physically am here in the Nordics, but will also work in APAC, US, um, mm. and Middle East. I think that you have to be really, really cognizant of like the total impact of that, right? And like, what are the legalese and nuances? So ultimately what I would suggest is like making sure that whatever you pitch to your company is something that will be A, adding into the tracking of your marketing so that you can really prove an ROI on your marketing initiatives. B, it's going to like facilitate the ease of conversion to your website, ease of getting to know who you are as a brand on your website. Um, so whether that's a chat functionality, whether that's a more robust e-mark uh, uh, marketing automation tool, I think that those are really great ways to start if you don't already have that. And if you already have all that, how can you get even smarter with the way that you're doing your lead um follow-up on how you're doing your attribution. I think my like holy grail for marketing is what attribution tool are you using to really understand the funnel? Because a lot of the times as marketeers, what we'll end up having is we'll have our attribution only to the first click, only to the last click, and then everything in between kind of falls into um, a, a black hole of what actually happened. Um, so I think the attribution is my holy grail for marketing for everyone to really understand how many how many true touch points really take for conversions because in B2B marketing, as black as and white we'd like it to be, it's clearly not that. I did a, a recent um, deep dive into how many touch points it actually takes. It's about 10 as a minimum touch point to up to 20 touch points. Um, for it to be a solid conversion. And then this, we're talking about a heavy cloud topic. So obviously it's not going to be the same for every single, you know, technology uh, provider. But I think it's really clear for us to know if it's five touch points or 20 touch points, like, are you ready to put in that effort to make your marketing execution happen? So I think that just to round it out, I would say any um, chat functionality, any functionality that will help with procure for any understanding of your website, the better anything that will also help with the attribution and also lastly like anything that will also help with the the marketing engine of it all to making sure that it's as automated as possible for your team
That's so insightful. I I um, think you hit several points there that's so important, especially as a marketer who wants to pitch software to your CFO or <laughs> C-suite. <Yes. laughs> and, and they are becoming pricey and quite expensive. So you better be good at pitching it as well. <laughs> and, at the uh, end of the day, people are going to ask you like, okay, well, how is this going to work in our offices in Australia and our offices in the US? And, uh, and then you need to be able to answer those questions really easily. Exactly, exactly. And, um, and of course, that's also beneficial for you as a, as a company, since you're a part of the software industry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as but I talked to an expert in uh, sales technology, so he's more into sales. And, and we discussed that the typical license for an SDR, software license cost for an SDR today is around $1,000 per month. If you use all, you know, it's, uh, that's including Sales Navigator, LinkedIn, and so forth, and and uh, maybe a um, sales engagement system, a database, and a marketing automation tool sitting in there, and so forth, and cetera. But he expected it to become five thousand dollars in about five years because the tool stack is expanding quite rapidly, and also, mm -hmm. of course, every license and every every small single functional uh, SaaS solution you put in there, you know, that's another. 20 bucks a month or, or so, so it pretty quickly <laughs> uh, ends up to, to become a lot less, uh, a lot more. And the interesting thing he said was that it's probably worth it because uh, you will double the productivity of that salesperson with um, the tool stack, at least if you have done it right. So hopefully um, we will uh, be good at having those discussions going forward as marketeers as well. So uh but it will be a part of every marketer's job description, yeah. I suppose, to, to understand and to pitch uh, useful software for, for your team. Um, that's so interesting, Linda. And also, um, if we just summarize this a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, I think we have learned a lot. But is there any last final piece of advice for partner marketeers that you would to, uh, to end with? <laughs> I, um, it really goes back down to, maybe I can make three points is just to reiterate what I've said earlier is clear, crystal, crystal, crystal clear uh, KPIs and deadlines on those KPIs. Um, and then not being afraid to learn fast. I, people always like to say fail fast. I'm like, no, it's, it can't always be a negative in, in connotation to that. It has to be like, you learn fast, you pivot and you move on. Because then you you're building trust, right? Because at the end of the day, your partner and your uh, vendor, you you need to agree at the same time that you're in lockstep that everything you're doing is together, so that it's not like okay, well you kind of they're you're doing everything lockstep and everything is as you're learning together, and you quickly pivot to something else, and I think that adds more value to the relationship in the long term versus being afraid to have that, that tough conversation when maybe a demand generation campaign was a little short and, you know, but it, if you come up with solutions midway and you're constantly collaborating together of like what's not working, then I think that really sets you up for a strong uh, long-term relationship with your vendor or your partner. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for that closing advice, Linda. And just a final question for people who have really learned about this and maybe want to reach out to you or maybe follow you on LinkedIn or so, where should we send them? 
Yeah, you can definitely send them to LinkedIn or they can email me directly. It's my first name and last name on LinkedIn. And then my email is at crayon. So um, feel free to reach out either way. I'm more than happy to, to take any um, questions. Well, thank you so much, Linda, for sharing this with us today. I wish you all the best at Crayon and I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. You will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.